Hey, thanks for downloading the Table Talk Radio podcast. Pastor Wolfmuller here, Pastor Evans over there. We're talking about, oh, we checked the voicemail. We're not that far behind. We do some bumper stickers, some church signs, and then we listen to this video on Prager University about the the best book to read to your kids. That's an interesting question that we have to wrestle with. Thanks for Thanks for downloading. Here's the show. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I'm in mega crunch. So, uh, if you guys would put mega the mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Where show preparation is not in our repertoire, this is Table Talk Radio. Here wow, we're pastor. doing the show in French now? That's right. Yeah, I wanted to—actually, I wanted to know if you could do the entire show— Doing French sign language. We. Oui. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't know what you're talking about. I'm doing show prep right now for cross defense. I'm reading on the image of God from Hollitz. I'm, I mean, so I'm doing. This is the point. I'm doing show prep, just not for this show. You see that? Although, why don't we make it for this show? Uh, for my buzzword, I'd like you to pick a pay, pick a number between one and six hundred and fifty. 601. Okay. I'm looking at this. You know this great book, this Schmid book? Uh, Ha-ha! Ecclesia is your buzzword today. To quote from Gerhard, the word church, ecclesia, generally signifies an assembly or congregation, whence it is applied to political and secular assemblies. In order, therefore, that the holy assembly of the church be distinguished from secular assemblies, it is called the church of God. He ecclesia to theu in Nehemiah 13. Nehemiah 13. Acts 20, 1 Corinthians 1, 10, 11, 15, 2 Corinthians 1, Galatians 1, 1 Thessalonians 2, 2 Thessalonians 1, 1 Timothy 3, so forth. Nice. Ecclesia. You going to remember that or I need to write it down? Uh, I'll write it down. Don't you worry. This is called The Doctrine of the Evangelical Church by Heinrich Schmid, becoming quickly the book I most give away. Do you have a copy of this yet? Did I send you one? No. Hmm. I thought well, I did. Well, before you do, though, what's what's the resale value of that book? <laughs> Invaluable. You'd never want to get rid of this. It's It goes through all the dogmatic stuff, and it has quotes from all the old church fathers. So it's talking about the church, and then it has, like— it has a footnote there. I just read from Gerhardt, and then it has the next one is from Hollitz, and then the next one is from Hollitz again, and then from Brenz, and then from Gerhardt, and then from the Nicene Creed, and then Gerhardt, Hollitz, Augsburg Confession, Hollitz, uh, Confession, Augsburg Confession. Wait, hold on. So, We're going to play a little what's in your great. pastor's library. One second. You just, you just fill time. Okay. 
Uh, oh, I, I changed the page already. Okay, so let me go back to 601, you said. So this whole so this is uh, Gerhardt saying we, it's not enough to just use the word ecclesia because that can also refer to political things. So the church uses this phrase, the ecclesia of God. Also, it says the ecclesi the the calling out in God, First Thessalonians one one, and the the ecclesia of the Lord, Deuteronomy twenty three and Micah five. Hey, I just found it here. Look, you did send it to me. Ha! Mm. Uh, so I'm looking on page six hundred one. Make sure you actually yeah. took it off of that page because yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah. See? Look. Hey, pretty good. I Pretty good. I should read that one now, for a while. Now, I think this thing costs like 20 bucks to buy it on the Lulu. I just republished the thing on the Lulu, but here's the main point. You can download it for free, so everybody who's listening should go download this Doctrinal Theology of the Evangelical Lutheran Church and just download the PDF and have it on your whatever, phone or Kindle or tablet or computer. And so you have it. It's just, just an absolute treasure trove. It's great. It's the Flammy secret weapon. Remember how Flammy would always like quote all these great Orthodox Lutheran church fathers? I'm like, how do you know all this stuff? And I couldn't ever figure it out, so I snuck into his office to figure out how he knew. And this is the book that I found, and so then I republished it. So we can all be as smart as the Flammy. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty thick book. It's 650 it pages. So, I mean, probably not one I'll be able to tackle. And Oh, and speaking of books I'll never be able to read, uh, you have a new book out, don't you? Not yet. Oh. It's coming out in a couple of weeks, though. <laughs> well, so, oh, yeah, so by the time this airs, it'll be out. No, no. Good. What's it called? Uh, it's called A Martyr's Faith for a Faithless World by CPH. You can pre-order on Amazon. Order, like, a bunch of them, so then I'll be, I, I can reach the top of the charts, you know? I'll be, like, number 14 in new confessional Lutheran releases or whatever. Ah, yes. We'll all do that, I'm sure. Uh, all right, so my theological buzzword for you comes from Daniel in Westminster, Colorado. He says oh. that the word is apostasy, and he gives me a link here. Oh, I know what this is. <laughs> Headline says, um, I Kiss Dating Goodbye author Joshua Harris says he's no longer a Christian. Man, oh man, that's too bad. Uh, did you hear, do you know? do you know this guy, Joshua Harris? I, I knew that book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. I never read it. I didn't want to. <laughs> there was a Babylon Bee article says that oh, something like uh, uh, Christians uh, rebel against Joshua Harris for all the dates they missed out on or something like that. It was so funny. Yeah. Uh, but um, so it's kind of tragic news. It sounds yeah. like he he was a pa he was like a, he wrote the book. He became a megachurch pastor. Then he went back to seminary. Then it, it looks like he became a lib. And he got it all into the—I mean, the, the, the culture kind of seeped in, so you can sort of see it kind of creeping into his Twitter stuff, mm. where he was—his um, sort of—his evaluation of the church's stance on things like marriage and men and women and all this was, was really loosening up. And and then at last it ended in his his own—him and his wife got a divorce, and, and he came out and said, I'm not a—the the tweet was something like, by any definition of Christian that I can possibly come up with, I am not one. Something like that. Hmm. It's hmm. terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and I and I, you know, um, it would be an in interesting to maybe look deeper, and especially if we could track like the 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 Twitter the tweets I get the tweets that he's been making as this progresses. But um, you know, the the, the book that he, I think he wrote, I could say goodbye when he was like nineteen or something like that, um, was a very kind of law driven kind of book, and that's one of the one of the things that is marked by evangelicalism a lot of times is that what what Christianity is put forward as is really a set of 
of of moral rules and guidelines to follow. So so here you have a, a real a real concern, and the concern is that we don't want our young people who are uh, interested in dating or um, you know courting the opposite sex to get involved in physical activity they will later regret, of course. And this is something that I think everyone, well, I shouldn't say that these days, but um, that Christians would be concerned about. Um, and so the, the answer, the solution that is provided here is um, uh, guidelines of the law. Uh, now, the law then does you know teach us the way that we should live, but when it's put forward then as um, the way to live the Christian life, now you've crossed a line there. Uh, something different has taken place to say, hey, don't do X, Y, and Z so you um, don't do something you regret. Um, two, then you're saying don't do X, Y, and Z to live the Christian life. And and now we've uh, now we've started living under the law. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't... Right. That's right. That's always the danger. I mean, so you replace kind of one piety with another piety, but it's all just kind of competing laws. Like, I, my system is better than your system, and that's not going to be helpful. That's not... That's not law and gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know what, I was in Sweden last week, because that's why we couldn't do the radio thing. Oh, yeah. And um, and I was telling them how, you know, the Reformation was this big fight about the two systems of uh, pictures of salvation, the courtroom versus the, the, the bank. And I said, now, in modern Christianity, it's this kind of dating relationship, you and Jesus. And a couple of the ladies came mm-hmm. up and said, that, that doesn't work here in Sweden, because the guys don't ask the girls on dates. Nobody dates anybody else. Mm-hmm. And... And uh, I, I went and I did some research, and so and a bunch of people. We were talking about this a lot. This is a big problem. The average age, you know, the average age for first marriage is getting later and later. In the United States, it's twenty-seven, which is crazy, and it's up like four years uh, older than it used to be just in the last couple of years. Well, I looked in Europe, and the how about this? The average age for getting married in Sweden, average first marriage, is. 35.8 years old for the men and like 34 years old for the women. And it's and that's and a and a bunch of people just aren't getting married. So that doesn't count the people that aren't even that are just opting out of marriage altogether. And so we have this kind of tra- we need to we need the book that that says now I kissed gate dating hello <laughs> because <laughs> it's like it's like this uh, you know what it's one of the it's one of the side effects. This was I didn't think this was going to be true but in 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 all these questions, like in the, I I printed out the Obergefell decision. I wanted to read this too because one of the things that came up was that if you change the definition of marriage, you actually change it also for normal marriage. It changes it for people for just the men and women that want to get married, and that would that came up apparently in the Obergefell decision, and they said no, this doesn't this decision doesn't affect men and women, mm. but I think it it we and I think we talked about this last show. I think it actually does. Uh, do that, and and you and you're seeing it now in all these, in these European countries, even the United States, that just that that young people are simply opting out of marriage as an institution altogether. Yeah, I, I was going to say that those stats that you quoted don't surprise me at all. You know why? Why? Because you told them to us last week. 
Oh, really? How did I know them last week? I, was I back from Sweden last week? Yes. Welcome Have back. Have I been back two weeks? I yeah, thought I'd been back, back only one week. Anyway, anyway, my... It's just so fresh in my mind. <laughs> my theological buzzword... Did I tell you. that whole story and everything? Yeah, yeah. It was good, though. I, I liked it even better the second time, to be oh, honest. Oh, brother. I <laughs> uh, right. must be getting old. That's what we'll, that means. What was we'll, your buzzword? Apostasy. Apostasy. I got it. All right. We'll be covering... Uh, we'll be recovering old ground when we get back from this break on Table Talk Radio. We'll see what else we can uh, talk about from last week again. We'll also... Uh, do some uh, listen to our, your voicemails so stay tuned for that we'll be right back we'll oh brother I'm like the grandpa you know let me tell you a story <laughs> grandpa you told us that already was it the same at least the second time around no <laughs> table talk radio you won't find a better show out there unless you try hey daily devotions for your family Around the word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. Now, the occasion might happen that you're driving down the road and you see a theological bumper sticker and you don't know what to do. What do I do? Well, don't worry. You just pick up your phone and call us 1 800 385 SOLA. 1-800-385-7652, and you report that bumper sticker to us, and we will take care of the rest. We are an all-inclusive uh, theological bumper sticker discerning program right here, and your church signs as well. We'll take care of those as well, and that's what we're doing here on this segment of the program. Uh, Where's that worldview catalog that we used to have? We, used, we to, used to, yeah, we used to have that around. We it's, used to care about this kind of stuff. <laughs> worldview catalog. I'll look it up on the All on right, the. Google. You work on that, and I'm going to start playing these these uh, these voicemails here. Right here it is. Hi, this is David from Arkansas. Although I'm driving through Iowa right now, I uh, just saw a bumper sticker that says, "Help America, pray the Rosary." Now, there's no punctuation on it, so I don't know if it's wanting us, if it's trying to implore us to help America in their praying of the rosary, or if... Hmm. I'll let you guys discuss that. Oh, I mean, we missed the, the last part of it. What do you think? So what are the, what's the alternative? We're missing punctuation, and we're also missing... Help a America. gap in the cell phone coverage. Yeah. So help America pray the rosary. Does that mean like help America, comma, pray the rosary? So by you praying the rosary, you would be helping America? Or does it mean help America pray the rosary like we don't know, America doesn't know how, so you got to show them how to do it? Uh, I see. Apparently the cell phone coverage isn't as good in Iowa. I was wondering what the... Uh, if we could track different bumper stickers, like themes in Iowa versus Arkansas, something like that. That is an interesting, you know, get on it. That's PhD work uh, right there. I, I, I mean, I, I, when, I, when I came here um, uh, to, out of seminary and I, I was coming to Oregon, I just had certain assumptions about the political climate of the state of Oregon. And I got here and I was seeing bumper stickers about, like, uh, keep your government off my guns and all this stuff. And I, this does not fit my stereotype. And and uh, there are pretty conservative pockets in, in Oregon, and, and, I, and I happen to live in one of them. So so the bumper sticker definitely teaches you something about the, the general thought pattern of the people around There's a you. difference between conservative and kooky. I mean, I don't I, know if... I mean, I'm, now that you're in Austin, I think we ought to get a report of some of the bumper stickers you're seeing. 
Well, I was going to take one. I pulled up. I pulled up the church this morning, and I was next to this like some sort of Kia Soul, and it had like uh, Keep Austin Weird, and then like some sort of Hindu, like picture of a lady with all the chakras, and then some other, like another weird bumper sticker, and then some sort of rainbow something. And I was going to take a picture of it until I realized the car was running and someone was still in it. So I said, I better not. <laughs> so? Why does that stop you? I, 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 I mean, what, what's going to happen? They get out, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm admiring your bumper stickers. I mean, yeah. you, you must put those on the back of your car for people to acknowledge. And I'm, this is like the height of acknowledgement of your bumper stickers. Right. I, I wouldn't hesitate. Just, just go for it. Okay. Anyway, Next so time. do you think we should help America pray the rosary? What is the rosary, by the way? Uh, so the rosary is that little beaded thing that, uh, that they have a little pattern for, for prayer. Um, I don't really know a whole lot about it. Uh, you probably know more got, about it than I you do. You got the thing that goes around and so you have the little, you, so you have the rosary, you have the little beads, which are the Hail Marys, Hail Mary, and then you have the Lord's Prayer and then you have the creed. And when you get to the end, it's like the morning prayer, or the evening prayer, but you're, you kind of go around. So it's this, it's this old practice. I guess this, this has been in a lot of religions as you use the beaded sort of thing to, to kind of help count as you're meditating. So, number one, make the sign of the cross. Say the Apostles' Creed. Say the Our Father. Say three Hail Marys for ha faith, hope, and love. Say glory be to the Father. Announce the first mystery and then say the Our Father. Oh, so there's these mysteries. And you can have these different lists of mysteries, like in different seasons. You can have, like, the mysteries of the Incarnation or the mysteries of the Passion. You must have pulled this up. I'm really impressed with your... Your uh, top of the head knowledge of the rosary. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. This is from rosarycenter.org. I like how you asked me, so what's the rosary? I'm like, I don't know. And you're like, oh, well, that's this. And you've been just reading it off of a now, website. The big, now, most of the, I think, uh, I think, so to, as far as a devotional practice, I don't know. There's some guys that like to have, there's a Lutheran rosary that floats around out there. I don't, I don't know. I, I do not know what I think about the practice of, of kind of counting your prayers on a string. I mean, I'm really, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's helpful or not. Maybe for some people it'd be helpful for other people. It would not and so forth. But this idea that like help America pray the rosary that, that I don't know, there's something that's right about it. And then something that's very, very wrong. There's something right about the idea that the world stands because the prayers of the church, that, 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 things do not dissolve because the church prays the, the Lord's prayer, the, that the crops come up in the field because the church asks for daily bread, that there's any sort of order and semblance in the universe is an answer to the prayers of the church. That Now, that's nice, but there's this very wrong idea that, like, the Catholic Church, uh, that it sees these, like, it it's, it's like this work of... Um, it's it's like do you do you ever watch the Harry Potter movies? No, sorry. And the, there's this part where the like the castle is being besieged and and like the 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 wizards are shooting up these spells and it makes this like shell around the castle. And there's this idea, the Catholic Church of 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 idea of prayer that you offer this sacrifice and it makes this like spiritual shield. There's something very wrong about about this. The most wrong thing about the rosary is the Hail Mary. And, mm -hmm. and here we get into the intercession of the saints, where the Catholic Church wants to, um, the, the Christian always to, to go and ask the saints that are in heaven to intercede for us. Um, we, want, we want to trust that if there is an office of intercession for the saints in heaven, 
that they're doing it without being asked. And the only example of prayer that we have in the scriptures is the example of prayer to God. And anything else would be idolatry. So so this intercession is certainly not commanded. It's certainly, there's no promise connected to it. And so the, the Lutheran Church has always recognized this as a dangerous activity when it comes to our own piety. So, so we want to avoid that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that the appeal um, for those who have tried to make a Lutheran version of it is simply for the the discipline of it. And I, and I think insofar as that is uh, the appeal, I think that can be a good thing. So in other words, if, if, uh, if, I, if I say, look, I, I really should be spending more time in my day praying and reciting the, the creed, um, you know, it wouldn't have to be a rosary. It's just looking at the page in the small catechism telling us, you know, to, to say the creed and, and say a prayer. Um, that's a good thing, and and it takes maybe a little bit of a uh, an effort to establish these disciplines to make them part of the habit of our daily life. Um, you know, if, if and that that's true with anything. I mean, it's it's not particularly spiritual per se. It's, if I want to start working out more, it's easy to do it for a few days or one, uh, and then say, oh, you know, maybe I should just stop or I get distracted. And so so to to have even something physical then to to be as a discipline for prayer and a devotional life, uh, that can be good. But I, I echo also all the concerns that you cited as well. Mm-hmm. There's these mysteries that you're to meditate on. Here's an interesting thing, uh, and, and I kind of like this, and I want to suggest that, especially for the Lutherans, that when we go to the, oh, for, oh now I forgot the name, oh, the prayer, the litany prayer, oh yeah, we have these lists of these mysteries where we say, by your holy nativity, by your incarnation, by your by your suffering and death, by your cross and resurrection, uh, good Lord deliver us. And it and it kind of has these lists of these mysteries that we meditate on these things. But here it says, um, Pope John Paul II suggested the recitation of the Rosary as follows: the joyful mystery on Monday and Saturday, the luminous on Thursday, the sorrowful mysteries on Tuesday and Friday, and the glorious mysteries on Wednesday and Sunday. Um, so that you have these kind of different sets of mysteries, joyful, luminous, sorrowful, and glorious, that you're supposed to meditate on. Now, there might be some spiritual fruit to be gained by thinking about these. So, for example, the joyful mysteries, I'm just pulling it up here. Uh, the joyful mysteries are the Annunciation, um, the Visitation, the Nativity, the Presentation, the Finding of Jesus in the Temple, so th- this is the, the kind of stuff that has to do with the boy Jesus and to and to meditate and the birth of Jesus and his young life. That's nice to meditate on those things and to think about what they mean. Um, mm-hmm. Want to know what the sorrowful mysteries are? Mm. I'm pulling them up here. No. The agony in the garden, the scourging at the pillar, the crowning with thorns, the carrying of the cross, the crucifixion and death of Jesus. These are the sorrowful ministries and it's good to meditate on these things so so as far as meditation i would i mean i don't know maybe it's 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 just good to meditate on the scriptures and if we pull these 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 events from the scriptures and 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 think of those things and and read them and consider them then that's great right all right um let's hit one more before our break here super sticker blue chevy suv indiana plate Honk if you light, love Jesus. Text if you want to meet him. But wait, there's more. On the other side, it says, 
I saw that. Signed, Karma. Oh. No. That was a twist. Wow. That was a twist. All right, so... I wonder if, like, Dad got to pick the bumper on the left side and Mom (laughs) got to pick the bumper sticker on the right side. And it's some sort of weird mixed marriage, like a Baptist and a Hindu or something. Right, right, right. (laughs) That's interesting. Uh, So normally the bumper sticker says, uh, honk if you love Jesus, text and drive if you want to meet him. This one just said, and text if you want to meet him. I, I suppose if it's a bumper sticker... It's assuming the person reading it is driving. You and see, if you can honk. So yeah. Can. Uh, okay. Fair point. Fair point. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll be talking about this uh, this karma deal uh, when we get back from this break. If you have yeah. trip signs or bump stickers, 1-800-385-SOLA. We'll talk about it on the show. Stay tuned. More Table Talk Radio after this. when you just want to be alone. This is Table Talk Radio. The Sunday Drive Home, Grappling with the Text on the Theo Vlog. These are some of the playlists on the YouTube channel. Visit YouTube slash Wolfmuller1. Check it out there. All right, so on the one side of the right. car... There is a honk if you love Jesus, text if you want to see him. And then on the other side of the car is a bumper sticker that says, I saw that, signed karma. <laughs> so that's usually, I think, the bumper sticker where people say, I saw that, signed God. But this yes. time, karma is saying, I Universe saw that. The universe is watching. Uh, which is ironic because now you're trying to personify karma. But it's it's really just as a stick in the eye of the person that says God saw that. It, it, it is interesting that this karma business is... I think, okay, I've been trying to figure this out, some some particular thing out for the last couple of days, and I'm, I'm getting closer. This might have to do with it. I'm going to put it by you, okay? So you know the old Epicurean creed, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die? You yes. know how that went? I read about that in the so, Bible. You eat and you drink, you be merry, because tomorrow you die. That's the idea of the Epicureans. There's no judgment after death, so just do whatever you want. Because if there were judgment after death, you couldn't just do what you want. Well... Jesus tells the parable that eat and drink for tomorrow we die shows up in 1 Corinthians. But the eat, drink, and be merry shows up in Luke 12 when Jesus is telling the parable of the rich fool who has doesn't have a big enough barn for all his junk. So this dawned on me that you're on the three-year lectionary now. Mm-hmm, I feel like I, mm-hmm. I have a better language with you now. <laughs> and, so, so, and so this rich fool is sitting there, and he's like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear down my build a bigger one. Now I'll rest. I'll eat, drink, and be merry. And then Jesus says, but tomorrow you die. In other words, Jesus Uh. uses the tomorrow you die against the idea of Epicureanism. And and he doesn't even make the argument. Jesus just assumes that the fact that you have to die means a judgment. So that even though Epicureanism wants to have this illusion of do whatever you want, there's an implicit there's an implicit knowledge that's 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 kind of sunk into our humanity that everybody knows that to die is to be judged. And even the idea of karma has that sort of thing embedded in it, that there's a judgment that is to come. There's a um, that that that, that you, you just that you can't get away with it. That's the point. You just, you can't get away with it. 
Yeah. There's, some, there's something watching. There's some standard of judgment that's sort of baked into the cake. But karma sees it not as a, a supernatural phenomenon, but maybe as a natural phenomenon or mm. something. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that, too, because that, that struck me as well. Um, now, there's a, have you heard about this uh, so-called FIRE movement within personal finance? Uh-uh. Uh, FIRE stands for... Uh, financial freedom retire early and it's these people in their 20s and 30s who live off of like 40 percent of their their income or 50 percent of their income and just put the rest away towards retirement and uh, by saving massive amounts of money they can retire when they're like 30 35 40 um, and so they're you know living off of whatever they they've. and, and, and that, that struck me because here you have this guy who builds bigger barns and to what end uh, he he does it so that he can, and it doesn't say just say eat, drink, be merry. It says relax, eat, mm-hmm. drink, and be merry. Um, now, the the Bible, actually, you know how the, I, let me translate the relax. It's it's like this, take it easy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> now the Bible itself uh, talks about being merry, right? In fact, that was in one of the readings. Um, but the the the, the merriness uh, comes at the joy of of serving the neighbor, right? So that we can find, uh, we can find joy even in the crosses of the voc- of the vocation we're given. So if you want to be financially uh, independent, that's that's a great thing. But you would you still have vocations. So if you no longer need to rely upon income in order to exist, that you have the now the new opportunity to serve your neighbor in capacities that you couldn't before. But the guy in the parable, he uh, wanted financial independence and and to retire early to serve himself to gratify himself to just kick back and and have a party and uh and then all all his all his work to retire early uh doesn't benefit him because he his soul is demanded of him right interesting that is uh okay so karma uh comes along and says uh the reason you better shape up is because you'll get bad things happen to you uh, or if you do good things, you'll have good things happen to you. Um, I think that here's here's the worldview catalog. I found the worldview catalog, by the way. The world's most famous table talk radio worldview catalog. Karma's one of them, isn't it? Isn't that? It, it, it's called Garbage In, Garbage Out, ah, yeah. or Karma. What goes around comes around. In this worldview, this worldview insists on justice and interprets the world in terms of a great balancing of the scales. Always looking for things to equal out, the garbage in, garbage out worldview might resort to reincarnation, a person's soul coming back and another creature with better or worse circumstances, in order to ensure things balance out in the end. Do you remember where that uh, worldview catalog came to fruition, or where, where we actually pounded it out? Uh-uh. Uh, it was in. The, that's pretty good. That sounded like a lot of work to write that. Yeah, it was right when there. we were in the airport in Paris, waiting to go to Madagascar. And oh I really? I didn't want to. You do this. remember? I thought you were asking. I, I didn't want to do this because that was on our to do list, and I was working. I was like, I can't do this. I just gave you my laptop, and you did it for me. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Good job. All right, here's another one. Church sign on an ELCA church: Love, the difficult commandment. It is. I mean, that is very true. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You make a good point there. <laughs> It is very difficult. Yes, it is. Difficult. In fact, dare I say, so difficult, so hard <laughs> that you can't do it. <laughs> it's impossible. 
Understand- it, it, is, it is something where you want to, you want to like, it's always this t- tendency to soften sin. But when he gets to love, it's like, how do you, how do you soften it? Like, how do you say, hey, I loved. Uh, maybe you could say, if you just have love kind of unqualified, you say, yeah, I loved today. But but here the scriptures come along and say, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, you're looking for a loophole. You're not going to find it here. Mm. <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay, buddy. I mean, that really just, it puts the slam on things. And I, it's an amazing, it's one of the marks of, the, of liberal churches. They preach love all the time. Love, love, love. All you need is love. Love, 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 love. But the problem is it's this kind of soft, lavender-scented hmm. kind of, is this it's just kind of valentine's day sort of love or just a friendliness you know it's it's a reduction of love it's a it's kind of a bloodless sacrificeless love but when the bible says love it means dying oh. this is no greater love than this you lay down your life for a friend until jesus says okay now i'm going to lay down my life for an enemy and and there's the greatest love of all there it's incredible mm. incredible right right all right, well, um, let's do one more, and then we have a uh, YouTube video to, to listen to. So, okay. Uh, this one. Church sign on an ELCA church. Another oh, love. That sounds so familiar to the last right. one. You know the oh. thing about love is it's never. <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, pastors. This is Kate from Columbus, Indiana. Got a church sign for you. It goes like this. What happens to us means less than what happens in us. This is on Bethel Holiness Church. Um, I'll be. I'm calling on May 24th, 2019. I'll be sure to <laughs> oh, tune no. back in a couple of years to hear this message on air. Right. Timestamp. <laughs> well, let's see. May 24th. We're in the same year. It's it's August even. We're in the same sort of season. That's not bad. I'll tell you. Wow. That's Wowzers. Right. Uh, that's a, a perfect example of this of enthusiasm. The idea that the realm of of divine activity is inside of us. That's the idea there. Yeah. <sighs> so what was the contrast? What, what's more important happens inside of you than what happens to you? Is that, is that it's right? more, uh, it's more, more important than what happens to you is what happens in you. Which is exactly the opposite of the truth. Yes. <laughs> Theologically speaking. I mean, look, this is the, the idea of, of redemption and regeneration, the idea of conversion necessitates that something is happening to you not i mean can you imagine uh you uh see a guy uh dead on the side of the road okay you okay. call I'm you, imagining it. you call the paramedics and they come yes. with their little paddles yeah. and they apply the paddles and and resuscitate bring this person back to life and then someone says but what was more important was what was going on inside of him Actually, I think the paddles being applied on the outside of him was probably the most important thing, right? Not how he felt about it or, or transformation on the inside. If that had not happened from the outside to him, he would not be alive. And the exact same thing is true for us spiritually, that, that we are regenerated. We were brought to life. We are given the gift of spiritual life because of what God has done to us. But you're right. They want to put everything on, on the inside because the thought is, uh, spiritual things are on the inside. Physical things are on the outside. You're no fun. <laughs> I know. Now, you know, so someone asked me the other day, they said, are you sure you can draw a straight line from 
the rejection of infant baptism to the transgender phenomenon? And I said, oh, yes. Yeah, I, people, <laughs> someone asked me that exact same thing the other day. But you, you tell yours. Go ahead. It's because it's, but look, at, I mean, this is how do you, how how straighter line can you get than this this thing out in the church? Now, what the now church the question means is, to can say, you do it in forty five seconds? Oh yeah, the church wants to say, look, now it's not what happens outside. The Holy Spirit works on the inside, but the, the the transgender person says, I'm not who I am on the outside. I am who I am on the inside. It's just it's all this. It's Gnosticism is the name for it. It's a it's a it's the it's the exaltation of spiritual reality over physical reality, the assumption that physical reality is bad and needs to come under the control of the spiritual reality, and it's bad for humanity, it's bad for theology, it's bad for family, it's bad. Mm. It's bad. Yeah, I didn't even take 45 seconds. And with time to spare. When we come back from this break, we're going to be listening to a PragerU YouTube video entitled The Best Book to read to your kids. So you start thinking okay. during the break, what are the best books or the best book to read to your kids? We'll be talking about that after this break. We're, this was sent to us as a preaching to Hollywood. You know, Prager, I suppose, is a... Is it... What's his What's his name? Dennis? Is it Dennis, uh, Dennis. Yeah, Dennis Prager, I suppose, is a well-known figure, so we can take his content and preach it to him. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll be right back. That is right after this. I like how you pronounce it. Table Talk Radio, where the voice crying in the wilderness is the listener. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. We're back, and now... Special bump music just created for Table Talk Radio right there. It's amazing. That sounds... They said that sound, that song sounds too silly. We can't play it in front of other people. Well, then put it on Table Talk That's Radio. That's right. That's how it went. All right, here's a video entitled The Best Book to Read to Your Kids. Okay, I'm excited. There's the a book tree. you can That's read to your children job. that will make your job as a parent a lot easier. Nice. This book will teach them lessons in character how to distinguish right from wrong, about gratitude, respect, and perseverance. And that's in the opening chapters. Parents have been reading this book to their children for a very long time. It's one reason it's a perpetual bestseller. I sniff what's coming. This book, of course, is the Bible. And you don't have to be religious to read it, and your children don't have to be religious to enjoy it and get a whole lot out of it. Decency, kindness, charity, selflessness, and sacrifice, they're all right there. Consider the story of David and Goliath. Nine feet tall, clad in armor, Goliath is the most fearsome warrior of his day. How could he not be? He's nine feet tall, for goodness sake. Good point. Who wants to go against a giant like that? No Israelite, that's for sure. No. Except for one, a skinny shepherd boy named David. This boy has three things going for him. Courage, a slingshot, and faith that God is with him. As he strides out onto the battlefield to face Goliath in single combat, he holds the future of the Israelite nation, not to mention his own life, in his hands. Hmm. Uh, Wrapped up in all of this tension and drama are valuable lessons that any child can profit from. David refuses to be intimidated by a bully. 
He's willing to act, mm. to show resolve, mm -hmm. even in the face of his own self-doubt. Mm. His actions paint a portrait of true heroism in the face of true danger. Isn't that the kind of strength we want our children to emulate? Okay, let's talk about that so far. Okay. Uh, this, could, this could end uh, in what our friend Chris Roseborough calls adventures in missing the point. <laughs> <clears throat> but now I, I would like to suggest something. Now, this, okay. So far, it's true. It's just not true enough, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, does the Bible teach us important life le lessons like character, gratitude, decency, kindness, and heroism, courage, and so forth? Answer, yes. Right. But if you just, if that was the point of the Bible, it would be an utter failure because the main point of the Bible is not, come on, how do we say this as clearly as possible? The main point of the Bible is not me. <laughs> the main point of the Bible is someone else. There is a different hero of the story, and he's given to us as the hero who rescues us from the thing which we cannot rescue ourselves. So, so that God is a hero and Christ is the hero. I, I was reading something. This is P.T. Forsyth. Do you know this guy, P.T. Forsyth? No. <clears throat> he's some old theologian. I think, I think he was like, he's a liberal for the fundamentalist, and he was a fundamentalist to the liberals. He's kind of and he's an older guy. I don't even know what he was. He was maybe some missionary alliance. Some of the stuff he says is not that good. But some, but he was talking about how when you read these old hero stories of, say, the people who died for their faith, like David and Goliath or the old martyrs, it stirs something in you. And you think to yourself, yeah, yeah, I, just with a sling and faith in God, I can face the giants. Yeah. You, it, or you hear about Romanus, you know, my favorite guy who, I told the story of Romanus, he got his cheeks cut open by the sword, and he says to the guy, I praise you for giving me more mouths to praise my God. Uh -huh. I mean, that's it. And you hear stories like that, and you're like, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to face the the, the lions. I'm ready to face the demons. It kind of stirs up a, a, a sort of heroic resolve inside of us. But Forsyth made this point, is that, when we read about the death of Jesus, that doesn't happen. When we read about Jesus before the Sanhedrin, or Jesus before Pilate, or Jesus being crucified, it doesn't well up in us this resolve to say, yeah, yeah, I can do that too. We, we react very differently to the, to the heroism of Jesus than we do to the heroism of anyone else. Because we know almost instinctively that something very different is going on here in the death and resurrection of Jesus. This is not given to me as an example. This is given to me as my redemption, as my rescue, as my only hope. This is, this is not something that I can do so that I have, to, I have to put my faith in the man who is doing this for me. And that's the main point of the Bible. You bring up a, a great point, and I think it's even worse than that because, um, at least with the uh, the martyr accounts that you you said there, those are things that happened. And what bothered me here at the very beginning, where he said, "You don't even have to be religious to read it. Um, you can just enjoy it as a good book, even if you don't believe any of this stuff." Um, and so, what that does is it really reduces the Bible to Aesop's fables. So you have these fictitious little things that are cute explanations of the world like um uh yeah there, well, i remember when i was a kid in, in like elementary school one of the aesop's fables was why kittens purr and it had the story about like a cat that swallowed a drum or something like that now when you pet cats 
they purr because that drum is going off in the sky. And so why are there rainbows in the sky? Oh, well, here's a fictitious story to explain it. Um, you know, how should I learn about I courage? I like hearing stories about when you were a little kid. That's kind of cute little baby Evan stories. Anyway, so when we reduce the the Bible to Aesop's fables, they're, they're not actually even true account. They're, so the, the purpose, the end game, you know, so this is kind of the means justify the end. It doesn't matter if you believe any of this stuff is true. What matters is that you can take away morality from it. So um, that's it. I mean, you, you bring up the, the core of the problem that now I'm not even seeing the Bible as a story of redemption, but it's not even a story of truth. Like it doesn't right. even—I mean, okay— there was a guy in, in the garden named Adam, had a wife. That's all cute. And we should pull from that that uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. But that doesn't—it's not real, so it doesn't explain why or people that everybody die. should plant a garden. Right. It, but, but it doesn't actually explain why I daily transgress against a holy and righteous God. I mean, if I don't see these things are, are actually historically true, I'm, I'm further missing the point beyond what you said. You want to hear some yep. more? Yeah, sure. To be able to defend themselves and later their families and their country. Or how about the story of the brothers, uh, Cain and Abel? Abel, the shepherd, looks at his lot and he's filled with gratitude for his blessings. He offers as a gift to God the very best of his flock. Cain, the farmer, is selfish, unsatisfied with what he has, and he offers only a paltry gift of grain. When God favors Abel's present, Cain allows jealousy to overwhelm him. God speaks to Cain and tells him, I know you're feeling angry, but you can overcome those feelings and master them. Hmm. Cain doesn't listen, doesn't control his jealousy, and kills Abel. When God asks Cain, where is Abel, your brother? Cain lies and says, I do not know. And then, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, should have been Cain's answer to his own question. We are responsible for ourselves, and we have an obligation to others. We all have emotions and passions, but God has given us the tools to master those emotions. And master them we must if we are to live a productive and ethical life. Okay, what do you think of that? Oh, man, I'm kind of torn. I'm ki- I really am kind of torn on this. Because, I mean, so let all the things that we said before stand, that it's missing the point of the Bible. But but here but so here comes the question and this is the question I don't actually know how to answer is the bible a helpful book on morality is the Bi- in other words if it's not history as you pointed out and if it's not theology as we were talking about with the death of Jesus if it's just a if it's just a book to help you be better is the bible a useful book in that way and I don't, I just, I don't know how to answer. I want to say on the one hand, well, yeah, I mean, it has become sort of the, the foundation of culture and this sort of thing. But, but I, I don't, I, and on another way, I want to say, no, I don't want to let you get away with it. Like saying Jesus was a helpful teacher. Well, no, he was not a helpful teacher. It doesn't, in some ways, in some ways, the Bible forces our hand and says, if you want to read this like a, a more, a, a Aesop's fables, like a handbook for morality, I'm not, I'm not going to let you do it. And the Bible forces the question. Jesus forces the question when he talks about how he is the one who has the authority to, to judge people on the last day. 
I mean, that is not something that a wise teacher is going to say. It's it's going to be true, and he's going to be God, or it's going to be crazy. And those are, you know, it's the kind of liar, lunatic Lord sort of thing. That 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 extends to the whole of scriptures. The scriptures are either crazy, or they're divine and salvific. It, I, I'm not sure I want to let it be a middle ground, and yet I am sympathetic to being able to say, hey, if you read the Bible, it's, it'll be helpful because it's good and it's beautiful and it's true. But I think it's good and it's beautiful and true because Jesus is Lord, and no, and there's no goodness or beauty in the Scriptures apart from that. I, don't, I'm I think, so I think I'm what's, what's really difficult with this is that um, uh, because the, the Bible is supposed to be God's Word to humanity, it's supposed to be God's revelation of Himself, and that intrinsically then demands us to think of these things quorum Deo. And he is telling us to think of these things, um, you know, quorum mundo, before man. So, so that, that if, if you want to live an ethical life, these are the things to follow. But how can I, how can I do those things and see, simply keep it in the category of ethical thinking? I'm inevitably going to put this before God. So now I'm righteous because I'm following these things. It's not just about me and my neighbor. So... That's going to be it all the time we have. Thanks for listening to this Whoa. edition of Table Talk Radio. Where reading the Bible as a Aesop's fable is a half step towards apostasy. <laughs> Whoa, got both of them in there. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to I mean, include my kids to be imagery, psychosis, coma, death, avocosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, if internal they, combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge right, to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. You know?